Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson. Cool. So I'm really excited today to have Ken on the show. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing great. So you've acquired quite a few businesses. Mm -hmm. Seems like you're kind of always still looking for more. I am. Uh, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I like to think of myself as ca cautiously optimistic is what I'm where I'm at. So. All right. Sounds good. So let's let's kind of jump into your background real quick. I know sure. you sounds like you graduated from UNLV. I did. I remember, right? Okay. I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm a native Las Vegas. Uh, I was I've been here for like a couple hundred years. So yeah, I went to UNLV, got an accounting degree, actually uh, was in the banking. I worked for Citibank um, right out of college, did an internship and, and had some experience in the banking, uh, retail credit card side. But I realized I had an accounting degree and I wanted to do something with it. So I decided to go ahead and, and look into getting into one of the big firms. And so I went to work for KPMG, one of the big six firms. And I spent about three years with them, uh, got certified. Um, so I am still a CPA in, in Nevada. And uh, so at that point, uh, after getting certified, I was approached by one of our uh, staff members in the office for a small group of casinos that was looking for a controller slash CFO type. We had a young growing family at that point. My wife was uh, in school. Uh, she ended up being an RN. And we, uh, we decided to take the plunge. And I went into the casino business for a while, for about 15 years. Uh, I worked in the casino gaming hospitality industry in Las Vegas. And you got your CPA when uh, before? I was going to say, yeah, I, I probably got it actually in 1990, I think it was. That's okay. how long ago it's been. Yeah, it's not, not too long. I'm an old guy. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you look good. You don't look that old. So that's always good. So kind of walk me through then you did the consulting route. Is that I, what you did? No. So so I, I, I worked in the gaming business. And, and in, in there, I, I kind of tried a couple different industries as well. I worked... Uh, uh, some manufacturing company for a little while. I, I just, I was always looking for that, that big thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, I always seemed to come in at the end of the IPOs and things like that. <laughs> and so I, I knew my timing was never that great. And so, so I just, I kind of stayed, uh, it was, a, it was a small group of, uh, it was an individual that owned about, we had about 15 locations in town, bars and restaurants. We had one main casino and a hotel and, and he treated me very, very well. And he always liked the fact that he had his, like his own personal CPA that worked for him. So he knew the financials were, were sound. Um, and of course, it was always better when we were working with banks and whatnot, that he had, he had somebody with a, with a pretty good background on the finance side. Uh, I was familiar with the gaming industry. It's, it's intense. Um, there's a lot of control standards and things you have to be really, really careful with um, to keep everybody happy on the gaming control board side. And so I did that for like quite some time and uh, went through the recession here in 2007, 8, 9 ish. Uh, it was the first time, again, I was born and raised here. It was the first time I saw Las Vegas actually be impacted by a real recession. There had mm -hmm. been plenty of recessions before, but Vegas was always kind of recession-proof. And that's why my hair's a little grayer today, because we, we went through some trying times uh, during those years. When I would tell the owner that, hey, you know, uh, we're... We're getting kind of the edge of the bank account here. Um, he would kind of say, oh, you've got this figured out. Don't worry. I know you can you can take care of it. So we did. We managed through all that. And at the end of it, I guess I was just maybe a little tired. And I said, you know, why am I doing this for somebody else? Even though he's a great guy, lovely family, loved him. And I said, let me start looking for a business um, to, to take a look at. My wife was, a, she's an RN. And so she was working in the hospital. And, uh, you know, we had saved a bit of money. And, and uh, we decided that I was going to invest in myself. In, instead of in, in uh, other companies or whatnot. And so we started looking. I looked at businesses ranging from uh, a, a restaurant that had two locations in South Florida that specialized in uh, crab legs and steak. I looked at limousine services. I looked at 
the one that that happened right before I bought my first business was it was an actual skilled nursing uh, uh, business. So they went out and did uh, home care, home treatments, but they did it with LPNs, RNs. Uh, they primarily were paid through Medicare, Medicaid. And mm -hmm. my wife being a nurse, when I talked to her about it, said, please don't buy that. Um, <laughs> she said, it's, it's very, you know, it's very intense. And then when I got to look at their financial statements, I could see because their costs are capitated through Medicare, Medicaid, things like that, I could see that their that their profit margins were just shrinking. And and mm -hmm. if you put them on a trajectory of like 10 years, I don't know how they could possibly make money. And that's a little bit of an issue with our healthcare industry today, is that when you have government setting prices, but the market is, you know, needing RNs and they're expensive and they're, and they're well worth it by all means, uh, it's just a tough business to be in. So what happened was right after that, um, I actually hooked up with a broker and he didn't tell me exactly where the business was, but it was in South Texas and it was home care, but non-medical. So it was uh, what we call senior care or, you know, aged care. So we do, uh, the business itself is a franchise and we went in and we treat and take care of people. Uh, I kind of think of it as a personal concierge service for the elderly. So we'll run errands, do groceries, straighten up the house. Uh, if we have to, if you're incontinent, we can help with those kind of things as well. Um, but it's a fantastic franchise, had been around for 20, 30 years. And uh, so that was my first uh, venture. What, what year was that? That was 2016. Okay. I think we closed the deal in, uh, it, it, technically the deal closed, I think, on January 1st, 2016. So. And how long were you looking before you completely uh, nailed that one? I, I would say probably a good 12 months or so. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. a little while. So during that time, did, had you already quit? working no in the no industry. no i had okay. it no i wasn't that risk-taking um so no and actually I, I finally had had to i told him i gave him a three-month notice because i you know i'd so close to the owner and and so he tried said can you can you work for me part-time can you and i said no no this is in texas and it's uh, it's actually corpus christi it's very south texas and uh so uh we you know we've we've we had a good kind of parting of ways i gave him plenty of time uh to find someone and then my wife uh, her, her prize and all this was that she would get to retire as well. So, uh, we took over, she worked for a few months into 2016 and we took over on January, uh, 1st, 2016. And obviously helped her having some background. Yeah, it, uh, it did. And we thought we would, we, we really thought we were going to relocate. This is where the story gets a little into. We thought we were going to relocate from Las Vegas to uh, South Texas. It was, it was kind of our plan. At least we said it out loud. I don't know if we ever truly wanted to do that, but what happened is my son, my oldest son is a preacher, and he was preaching uh, in Sacramento, and our preacher of like 30 years retired from the church here in Las Vegas, mm. and so uh, they offered my son that position, and so when my son came back to Las Vegas, he came with a wife and a grandbaby, and my wife told me that I could commute to Texas and that she was fine staying in Las Vegas. <laughs> so we did just that, and so I, I basically, I'm, I'm a really strange um, beast in all this, is that I for the first few years, or probably the first five years, is I would spend about 50% of my time in Corpus and then come back and spend 50% of my time in Las Vegas. My kids were older. Uh, I didn't miss any Little League games, made all the football games in high school and did all that stuff, didn't miss any of it. Uh, but it did require a little bit of flying and, and traveling around. I also learned pretty quickly that the staff I had and the business itself could be run remote. So I wasn't really giving anything up. So with the uh, with that deal, how did the structure go? Did you have any seller financing? Did you use an SBA loan? We how, did. How'd you do that? We did. It was it was SBA loan, and um, uh, happy to say too, we paid it off three years early. It was a ten year loan. We paid it off uh, at the end of the seventh year. Um, the seller did retain a uh, ten percent of the purchase price. Okay. And so um, and that that worked out really really well. Of course, she's all paid off as well and everything. So 
Um, we yes. still got still got that business. Still got that business. Uh, at this point, it's lovely to have uh, one of them completely, you know, completely debt free. Uh, it's fantastic business. Uh, the industry is having a lot of changes and things that are going on with it. Uh, COVID obviously is is a is a interesting thing. COVID actually increased our business quite a bit. It's funny you'll see a lot of industries uh, in a weird way. COVID increased our business, which is which is kind of strange. People did not want to send their elderly um, parents to a facility. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of issues with people dying of COVID in facilities. So they were trying to keep them at home. And that's what we do. And so we, we treat you at home uh, and we come, to your, we come to your residence. And so it actually, COVID was very good for our business for a few years. Uh, now, the downside of that, and be frank, is that we did lose a lot of the elderly during COVID. Right. A lot of those clients that would be our clients now, uh, I think we, we kind of uh, lost and so we're, we're kind of seeing a little bit of a downward dip at this mm -hmm. point. And uh, the other thing is we are we are private pay. We don't do Medicare, Medicaid. So okay. we're we're kind of a niche in that uh, of all the population that we service, uh, only the few that can actually afford what we do. Um, so that limits limits the, the, the number of seniors we can actually market to. So. so do you have any issues during that transaction? Did, is there any advice that you could give? I mean, what what did you learn? Obviously, yeah. during the first one. A <laughs> couple, couple things. One is, is that... You always want to uh, go into a business venture if you can possibly do it, buying the receivables or having instant cash flow. And mm -hmm. that was very important to me. So I actually paid her full purchase price, but I asked her to include the receivables as a part of that. And she did. It was about $100,000. And okay. so literally, uh, you could say I got 100000 off the purchase price because I had her include it. But what literally happened was the first day I was there, so January 2nd after the holiday, checks showed up that day and they were mine. And so we were able to, you know, we didn't have to reach deeper into our pockets to keep the right. business started. Yeah, it's so always that, good to have a working capital. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially I think, when you're selling out for, you know, not very cheap labor. Yes. Yeah. And so we're, you know, that I think that's very important in any kind of deals you do. If It depends on the type of business. Obviously, we're a bill and receive kind of with our clients. So we bill out twice a month and we usually get paid within 14 to 30 days. And so I didn't want that delay. And I think it was very important if you buy that kind of a business where you're actually billing and waiting to receive. Now, other businesses like fast food or something, you know, you're, you're going to get paid the day you right. provide the service. So it's different. The other thing I would tell you that the, one of the one of the greatest things I could put in anybody's mind too, when you are a buyer and you complete the transaction and all the businesses have to be appraised, right, for the SBA loans, don't ever tell the seller what the appraisal came in at. <laughs> I tell people that all the time. My answer is always, uh, it came in where it needs to be. Exactly. And I, and I made yeah. that mistake. You know, I'm a pretty seasoned guy, but I made that mistake of telling her and it actually came in a couple hundred thousand dollars more than what I actually paid. And again, that the, what I paid was her full ask, asking price. And so um, she thought I cheated her somehow, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, it's just like when you buy anything, if, if somebody's opinion of the value is greater than what a willing buyer and seller are willing to negotiate... It's just a number. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. And so, um, but yeah, well, don't don't ever do that. Well, I think the maybe one of the things that is difficult for for buyers or sellers to understand is that oftentimes the value could be higher, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that a buyer is willing to pay that because they're looking for a certain return, especially if they're borrowing money. So, you know, the bank has to look and say, okay, what's the debt service look like? Are they covering that debt? So it could be worth much higher but it just doesn't work at the end of the day because someone's not getting the return they want and the bank's not getting the cash flow coverage they want. So Absolutely. yeah, I've, I've had several that um, I've even had some come in like almost over a million dollars over. Um, sometimes it's, it's by design, you yep. know, they're happy to sell to a general manager or something like that. Yep. But yeah, it, it does happen 
uh, from time to time. I feel like in the last six months, they've started to kind of get back more in line in um, as interest rates have gone up. Yeah, I, I would say that your answer was perfect. Is that if because you as a buyer, you're paying for it. it's your it's your product, you own it, and so the appraisal and so. I think the perfect answer is it came in where it needed to come into. That's yeah. that's and that's all you have to go. You don't really you don't have an obligation to share any more than that. So I, everyone should to keep that in mind. That's very important. Don't, <laughs> Some great advice. Yeah, yeah, don't don't do that. So awesome. So okay. So then you you uh, got the itch, mm-hmm. I guess, to buy another business. Yep. What year did you kind of say, hey, you know, I want to start looking and see if there's something else? How did how did you end up with the second business? Did it did it just fall on your lap? Tell me about that story. No, so I was um, spending about half my life in Las Vegas, right? I was doing about two weeks a month uh, out in in uh, Corpus Christi, and then I would come back to Vegas. And and now I'm back in Vegas, and you know, um, one of the advantages being with my background is I don't I don't have to rely on anybody to do the accounting, at least for one business. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that here in a minute. But but so I'm back in Las Vegas, and I'm almost bored. Um, and so I'm like, I, I, I need to use this time. And so I started looking um, for some small businesses, same kind of a situation, but specifically this time in Las Vegas, right? So I'd have the place to, to work on when I'm in town. And something that kind of runs itself, I, I, I couldn't be involved in it you know, every day of the week because I'd be gone half the month. And so I stumbled upon uh, a little company called MSE Products, and they sell, basically it's a laboratory device. I, I, I think of it this way, like the white lab coats that everybody buys, they're the same lab coat people bought 30 years ago. This is a little uh, laboratory chemistry type device. It's made of glass and plastic. There's like five employees out there. Um, The gentleman who kind of built the company up over 25 years passed away, got cancer and passed away. And the family was owning it from San Diego. And so they wanted to, they knew that they couldn't keep it they needed to have a more local presence with it eventually, and so they put it up for sale. And so it was just kind of, you know, I happened to, to answer the ad really quickly on the bro- on the um, BizBuy website, and I just happened to be one of the first to get a look at it. There were a lot of other people that wanted to take a look at it, and uh, I snatched was it up. There was, was there a broker? There was. There was. The broker was actually based out of San Diego, though. It huh. wasn't a local broker. Oh, because yeah. the, the family probably would, knew yeah. them. Okay, yeah. Yeah. makes sense. So took that on. That was in 20, I want to say it's been... It's probably 2018. Okay. Yeah, about in 2018, I think. So it was a couple years after I bought the. So you kind of got the the first mm-hmm. one real stabilized. Yep. Got it down. You yep. know, have good general manager in place. Yep. Um, and said, hey, let's let's go see sure. what else we can find. Cautiously optimistic is kind of you know it's like you got it. You just got to be <laughs> kind of careful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know when when you have an opportunity that's out there. Now you can go searching for opportunities like I did in that case, or you can have opportunities presented to you as well. And and so what what I find is is that the more you start getting into these kind of transactions. The brokers are aware that you're looking. And so I have people contact me still today from time to time with, hey, mm-hmm. you know, this is a and and I'm not, as you can see, I went from home care to a manufacturing company. I'm not so in, in I guess emphatic about any particular industry. I'd like industries that tend to be growing mm-hmm. or extremely stable. So the home care business I felt was growing and, and it did. And it still has a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of seniors that are aging in our population. The uh the other company is very, very stable, had sold the same product. Uh, for you know, 25, 30 years, uh, and we sell as an OEM. So we basically make a make a product, slap their label on it, and it looks like they've obviously built it, but they haven't. And so, and, and the product is very unique. I would say there's not very many co- companies in the whole world that actually sell what we do. Um, they don't get knocked off in China because the the quality of the build that we do here is far superior than what you would get out of a Chinese knockoff. And so, uh, it's it's a stable, just kind of a flat line kind of a thing. Uh, we are we are noticing we're having to inc- increase our prices obviously a bit more recently because of the inflation and, mm-hmm. the, and the cost of the raw materials that we're paying, but it's it's pretty much a, a, on a cruise control autopilot kind of a thing for me. So very very little involvement in that one too. So when you found that one, mm-hmm. um, you 
you know, reached out to the broker. What yep. was the negotiations like on it? Um, it was pretty straightforward. I, I think, uh, I didn't, uh, there was, there was some receivables in this particular company as well. Um, not nearly as much as the other one, but, um, I pretty much paid, uh, Almost full asking price. I think I got them to take a few dollars off. Same situation though. SBA loan. Um, they also held back a small. It was I think it was I think it was five percent maybe that they held back on an owner's loan. Uh, I like to do that. It just shows me that they have confidence in what they're selling. Mm -hmm. That they, they they don't think it's going to go bust or something like that. It gives me a, a good warm and fuzzy. Um, so uh, that's uh, that was we did that over a five year payback on, the, okay. on that loan. Um, and so that one actually, we have 10 more. Yeah. This is the fifth year of that business. We have 10 more payments left on that one. Oh, cool. Um, and then we're, we're ahead of schedule on the SBA loan. Probably same thing. We'll come in at about year six or seven on, on the payoff. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Good. I think the average is seven years. Okay. So yeah, Good. you're, you're right Good. on schedule where you should Good. be. Good. So from taking, uh, you know, the first one, obviously you learned to not tell them what the value was. That's very important. On this yeah. one. Yeah. They was... didn't, they, these didn't, they didn't ask, they didn't ask me on this one, but I wouldn't have told them anyways. <laughs> yeah. You kind of learned your lesson on that. Well, did you take anything away from this one? Uh, no, I guess not really. I think what's also really important is that, you know, you're, hopefully you're not, you're not buying something that needs to be fixed, right? Mm -hmm. If you are, then, then you, hopefully you're getting at a great discount, but, or, or you really know how to fix or that. how to fix yeah. it. Yeah. If you're really <laughs> entrenched in that industry or in that, you have a special skill or something. And I, and I got to get better at this. I like to think that I buy businesses, not jobs, right? So my, my only problem, and it's a personal issue for me is that I stay very entrenched in the accounting. And as we'll, as we continue on with this conversation, you'll see where I'm getting to a, a turning point where I'm going to make some decisions as I continue to add more businesses and things where I've got to, even though that's my background and, and it's mm -hmm. easy for me. And I would suggest to anybody who is looking at buying a business or thinking about, or is, you know, whatever their mindset is, learn a little bit about accounting, take a, take a night class, take a, maybe the better business bureau in your area might have someplace you can get some training or whatever. It's, it's, not something you want to become, uh, I guess, entrenched in, but it really helps to understand what's going on, right? You can look at a business. I guess I kind of feel like I can, I, I'm an internal uh, organ specialist. I can look inside and see where I think things are going well and where I don't think they're going well. And so um, we, and I constantly do that with the businesses I have as, as things change and, and dynamics about things change within the business. You have to ask yourself, is that, are we doing the right thing? Can we spend less here, spend more over here? Do we need more marketing? Do we need less marketing? Uh, you know, and, and it's, I, I do think anybody who obviously having a, a background like mine in finance and accounting is great, but I think you really should take the opportunity to understand things. I don't know how you could run a small business and not really understand what those monthly financials mean. If you do and you don't understand it, you really probably should do that. So. Oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, it's it's very interesting having done this for so long now. Um, just how many people don't understand the numbers or don't know? You know, part of the the transaction process with doing an SBA loan is that you need to do projections. Yes. And I can't tell you how many people say. Well, isn't that the seller's job? No. Aren't they supposed to tell me what it's supposed to look like? And it's it's like, no. Okay, so, you know, there's there's certain times where there's things you absolutely need to learn. And I feel like that is something you need to, to learn. Um, one of the things that you can also think about is uh, if you look back in history of people that are getting robbed, essentially, mm -hmm. by their own employees, yep. a lot of times it's the accountant. It's yep. the controller. It's yes. somebody doing their financials because they understand the financials and the owner doesn't. So they have no idea that this person's doing things, uh, you know, by, by robbing them blind. And so it is a great idea to at least have somewhat of an understanding. Um, I'd say one of the things you could do is check with uh, SCORE, 
um, that the SBA sponsors. They they have a lot of retired accountants in there that'll kind of sit down and at least show people how to do projections. Um, there's also other companies out there that can help write the business plan, do the projections, do all that stuff. But yeah, you bring up a great point. It's it's good to know to it, know the numbers. Yeah. It is, and like I said, it, it, it I'm very comfortable with the back office, and in, in in you know it's it's a nice thing to have as what Liam Neeson. I have a certain set of skills, uh, and and it's nice to have that. But it but it certainly doesn't make me a good marketer. It doesn't make me right. you know a good business owner. It just it just means that that part of the business I can kind of look at and, and say I'm I'm comfortable that it's doing what I want it to do. And so we well, you know I'll, where to tweak things. Too, we usually. we do, and then you got to be careful because for every you know thing you do, there's a there's a reaction to it. But so one of the things I try to do too is when I when I look at a business, um, and there's a third one I you haven't brought up yet. But when I look at a business, is like I try to say you know what do what do I want this from a cash flow perspective? How much cash flow do I want this thing to, to give off of the revenue number? Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I try to shoot for twenty percent. I think that that's it's fair. If you if you got something that's doing more than twenty percent of your revenue, it's probably an extremely either a really good business or maybe you're not spending money to grow the business or to take care of the employees so that they stay with you a long time. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my target is, you know, so if you have a, a business that can do 5 million in revenue, it's nice if it can cash flow a million dollars in cash flow. And so that's kind of the target that I look at. And, and so far, you know, I've been, I've been pretty fortunate, lucky, whatever it is, but, but we tend to be on those paces everywhere. So. Yeah. I think knowing the numbers is great. Yeah. I can't, I've, I've had some people that tell me, I'm like, I need year-to-date financials. And they say, well, my accountant does those at the end of the year. And it's like, wait, what? How do you know? Yeah, how <laughs> yeah. do you know what's happened? <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, my favorite is, did you ask them, well, how do you know how you're doing this year? Well, I have money in the bank. Yeah. Just well, like, that's a good, oh that's a good sign. That is, it's yeah. better than not having money in the bank. That's a good sign. But, <laughs> right, uh, but, but that's, not the whole, that's not the whole story, absolutely. Yeah, so. exactly. So, okay, so same thing. Got yep. that one to where it needed to be. Yep. You probably didn't have to do much. Not really. Or- no, it had, it had its own office manager slash accountant, too. So I didn't have to spend a whole lot of time with any of the bookkeeping or, or things over there. Um, so then I met you. Yeah, you got, <laughs> got the itch again to keep growing. Yep. So. Yeah. So just started looking again, starting to build up. You know, the one thing about if you start to acquire a business or businesses is you start to get to the point where hopefully you have the resources to be able to look at opportunities more. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking around a little bit, uh, had always been interested in, uh, you know, well, the business that I ended up, like I said, meeting you, Jared, with is it actually is a franchise and it's, it's the largest basically live pet store in Las Vegas. And so uh, my kids have went in and out of the store when they were growing up. It's been in the location for over 25 years. And uh, it was just something I always told myself, gosh, if that thing ever comes for sale, I think I'm going to take a look at it. And there's two of them in town, one by my house and one on the other side of town. And this one happened to be the one by my house, which is fantastic. It's it's a dream to have a, an actual business location that's not 1,200 miles away or even 30 miles away. Uh, it's, it's literally like five, 10 minutes down the road from my house. So that's fantastic. And so looked at the transaction. Um, you know, and I'll be quite honest with you, uh, the price was probably a little bit more than I, I wanted to pay for it, but it actually had produced outstanding numbers. And, and so, and I also went in with eyes wide open, the numbers that were produced by the store were during COVID, which again, this is one of those businesses that COVID actually helped. Mm-hmm. So in the pet, in the pet store business, the, the large portion of what we sell are puppies. And, and, uh, so basically there was a rush on puppies throughout the whole country during COVID, right? People were staying home. Um, they wanted to, they wanted to have more things to do at home and companionship and things like that. And so the puppy market and, and the animal market as a whole, but in, in specific puppies, uh, grew tremendously. And I don't think, I don't think we sold anything we weren't going to sell. We just sold it probably sooner than we were going to sell it. Right. People accelerated that purchase. Um, when you buy a, a dog or a puppy, it usually lives for 10 years or more. And so it's something, it's a long-term 
it's part of your family and it's a long-term purchase. And so I knew going into it that, that probably uh, the business price was based not all on that, but, but somewhat based on that. I have to say that the first full year after that, which I would say is a non COVID year, we did quite well. Uh, as I expected, it wasn't quite as good as the years during COVID. It, it should, it shouldn't have been. Um, but the other thing that was interesting about this particular business was that, uh, there's a lot of underserved markets and I won't go into all the gory details, but basically the Southern California market due to state law does not have any real live pet stores in California. So there's about 20 million people that live in Southern California, uh, LA, San Diego area that don't have a pet store to go try to pick out their perfect puppy. And so we do, and, and we offer that. And we don't advertise down there right now, but we are embarking on uh, things to grow our business, uh, like e-commerce and being able to deliver down into Los Angeles and things like that. I'm excited about that. I think it's gonna, it's gonna be a tremendous opportunity. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to serve the community and we're trying to serve people. Um, you know, people are gonna want animals. They're, they're companions. They're part of your family. And where are they going to go to get them if there's no like pet stores? And so they're going to go online is what they're going to do. And then, then you're going to get some unscrupulous people that deal in online sales and things like that. And we want to be the best choice for people to be able to get a great, healthy, uh, very well-bred um, puppy for their families. So with that transaction, let's see, you... Were you looking? How, how did you find that one? I don't. I don't think it was, we ever it talked was, about again, that. It was again just looking uh, through some of the like Biz Buy Sell, okay. uh, some of some of the online sites, the eBay's for business, um, and and I hooked up uh, Alan. I think was yeah. Alan was the or broker on that one. And so you know we started having a conversation. And one of the things that was kind of unique about this transaction too is the owner's son worked as the general manager in the business. And the owner, of course, wanted his son to stay on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted that too, because again, I didn't want to buy, I didn't want to be the general manager. I wanted a fully functioning store. And so we kind of came to an agreement. And I think he was very happy that he found someone, he probably wouldn't have sold it to someone that wouldn't, um, that you know offered his son an, a long-term position there. And even I even allowed him to buy back some a small portion of equity in the business. So so he's he's in it with me for the long run. Yeah, and I, I, I recommend that mm -hmm. often. I think it's great. Um, you know, obviously you've, you've kind of proven that you can run pretty much any business at this point, mm -hmm. probably. Um, I don't know if you'd want to go into to restaurants. You'd probably stay out of that. Actually, maybe. I had this fantasy. My wife and I, we, <laughs> I had this fantasy. So uh, when I when I was in the uh, when I was in the casino business, and in particular the main um, property that we operated out of, the owner had a private dining room, mm -hmm. and it's fantastic because you know whenever he wanted to, he could have his family dinners on Friday. And so so not you know this is where the emotion might come in. I need to check myself. Is that restaurant business is very difficult, and it's really difficult in Las Vegas because you're competing with casinos that can almost give food away, mm -hmm. and so it's it's a tough business to be in. Uh, and, and so I, I, I ha yeah, I have this little fantasy about, I want to buy a restaurant where I can have, uh, maybe on Super Bowl, you know, my family and friends can meet in this like nice little private dining room with a big screen TV. You know, that, that, that's when you get to the point, hopefully where if, if you're successful enough, like that's like just something fun you have. It's not, yeah. it's, you're not really necessarily in it for the money you're in it. You're really in it just because it's something that's, it's a prize that you have. So, yeah, it's funny though. Cause I, I use the example when I talk to people, when they say, well, my experience isn't completely spot on with this. And I say, I always say, well, you're not a CPA wanting to buy a bar so your friends can hang out there. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, something like that. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's just, exactly. Yeah, yeah you hit, yeah. hit no, it. No, so so the other the other thing, and, and I, if you've got more questions, I'm sure one of the things I wanted to bring up though too, and and you know we're you and I are going to be working on another project together here soon, is that so I, we talked a little bit about opportunities. I've mentioned that a couple times, and so when an opportunity presents itself, you know you kind of have to ask yourself, do you do you want to take it? Is it a good opportunity? Is it a bad opportunity? So 
the uh, there's a market. I'm not going to say where the market is publicly because I don't want people to go there and beat me to the punch. <laughs> but there's a market that's I think is severely underserved. It's obviously not in California. It's in a different location. It's not in Las Vegas. Um, but the franchise approached me and said, "Hey, are are you interested in developing this market? We think it's good, and it has a lot of good reasons why it's a market to be developed." And so. Uh, I'm actually, I've been traveling recently to that area. I've identified a couple locations already for leases and we're about to work with you again, hopefully on, uh, you know, doing, uh, some financing to start some, some stores, retail stores from scratch, which I haven't done before. This will be my first time. I like buying existing cash flow. It's a little safer in my mm -hmm. mind, uh, especially in an industry that you don't know. Um, so to go start up like your first retail pet store somewhere and you've never even owned one or done one, that might be an issue. Um, so it's nice that I have, I have the knowledge that I have now and it, and it's a fantastic industry because again, you know, we, we believe we're providing to people a great opportunity to buy the animal of their choice that they can come in and see it and, and touch it and, and interact with it. Uh, and there's a lot of places in this country that are taking that away and that's a shame. Yeah, I agree. So Coming back to the acquisition, mm -hmm. um, obviously, I mean, we're excited to to keep mm -hmm. keep things going, and I think it'll be kind of interesting to see you be on the other side of it this time. Um, you know, you mentioned you like to buy cash flow, but I yep. think moving forward, you're going to find something that is probably cheaper to obtain the cash flow yes. than buying it on a multiple of, yes. of the existing cash flow. Um, but coming back to this transaction of the, you know, pretty good sized store. Um, mm -hmm. You had mentioned uh, having the owner's son, who I guess we could kind of call him the general manager. Yes. Um, having him be on the deal with you, that that's always a great idea. Yep. I love seeing that. Banks love it. Um, main reason and the main kind of thinking behind that is, although you've proven that you can essentially buy any business and operate it, pets is is something completely different than healthcare and you know specialty manufacturing. Yep. So um, bringing somebody in that does understand how to do it and then also kind of tying them in where they don't want to leave, right? Yep. Because they've got yep. some ownership, they've got a little bit of skin in the game. Absolutely, yeah. That's something we, we often recommend. Yep. So get a lot of times where people say, well, I don't have you know absolute ideal experience. What can I do here? You yep. know, I'd say, you know, HVAC, landscaping, stuff like that. When you get somebody with a good financial mind and good business mm -hmm. mind, they will pour gas on, on the fire on those businesses. However, a lot of times they're not completely understanding how a lot of the contracting stuff works and stuff. So right. a lot of times what I'll tell people is, see if there's a general manager there or somebody, a longtime employee, you're going to want them to stay anyways. So give them 3% ownership or whatever, you know, you can maybe do a step up something, you know, so was that kind of the idea of obviously they wanted it, but then how has that worked out? And was that kind of the idea what you wanted it, to do? It's worked out well. I think, you know, so and, and the other thing is, if you think about it from the buyer seller perspective in this transaction is that the seller would have liked to pass this down to his son, right? right. Obviously that would have been his perfect, but his son didn't have the the wherewithal to, to execute the transaction, right? There's, there's cash involved. Um, and yeah, it wasn't know, a small transaction. No, it was, so, it was yeah. probably the largest, you know, transaction of this type i know in this franchise they told me this was the largest one they've ever seen mm -hmm. and so uh but so it was kind of nice because he was able to still kind of accomplish as a seller what he probably ultimately would have wanted anyway which was to you know which was to keep his son in an equity kind of position um and and so it kind of worked out for both of us and then yeah absolutely there there are things you know how, where we where we source our, our animals from 
Uh, there's things that that are they're specific to that store and they're specific to our industry. And so you don't humble yourself. Like you don't ever want to walk in and think, well, I, I can do a better job. No, you probably can't. And what you really need to do is you need to make sure that you're giving those people all the tools they need to do the best job they can and coaching them, you know, trying to get the most out of them. But I could tell you right now, I mean, I, I don't know, you know, 20% about the particular animal breeds and things that he does it, because he's been doing it for years. Yeah. And so you do have to humble yourself a little bit and say, what I might be good at um, might not be exactly what this business needs. And so let's, let's, if it's been successful, again, if you're buying it, hopefully it's, it's successful. And if it's been successful, let's not mess it up. And, right. There's and, a reason it got there. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That's some great advice. Yeah, a lot of people kind of come in like a bowl in a China shop and yeah, want to yeah, clean house no, and everything. I, I, I learned. So going back to the first business, I bought one of the things I learned there is that we were probably a couple months into the transaction, you know, and I was getting my feet wet and not, you know, not being a rookie to, to just, you know, the back office of business. But one of the things I noticed is we were taking a lot of phone calls, but we weren't converting them to clients. Mm. And I was like, well, something's not right. And so we started shopping. This is another great, I think, piece of advice for anybody who buys anything. Unless you're in an extremely rare type of business, you're going to have competitors. I don't care what it is you, you're going to have competitors, right? Understand what they're doing how they're marketing, understand what they're charging. It's so important. When, when people were looking for home care services, our service might be one of the best. And I think we do a fantastic job, but they don't know that. All they know is what the price is that they're getting quoted over the phone. And so we were quoting a price of about $20 an hour. And this was, you know, 2016. Uh, we were quoting a price of about $20 an hour for our services. Uh, to give you some perspective, our average rate right now is about $24.50. And that's six years, seven years later. But the $20 an hour was about $2 an hour higher than everybody else in town. And so we shopped and we found out pretty quickly that if we wanted to grow this business and keep new clients coming in, that we had to price right. We had to get our pricing right. We had to, we had to see what everybody else was doing. So you could be the best home care service and run rings about everybody in town. But everybody that buys home care, it's usually a son or a daughter that's helping get it, get their, get it for their parent. They've never used it before, right? It's the first time. It's not like they bought a, you know, they bought a stereo a year ago. This is the first time they've ever used this thing. And they don't really know the difference between me and somebody else. And so it was important in that case that I said, let's drop the price. And we did. We went down to like, we actually went down 50 cents lower than everybody else in town. And of course, it started, it started taking off. And, and so we, we grew the revenue number out there. I think when I bought it, we were about 1.6 million. And we, one of our best years, uh, last year we did almost three million so we wow. we doubled the company yeah, almost and, doubled. yeah. That's great. and obviously you probably kept your margin strong we I mean, did even and though the, you yeah. dropped your price you, yeah. we did yeah we did and so I, I took it a little bit you know in the beginning because we didn't reduce our payroll uh because in that business it's a direct correlation almost about 90 percent of my employees if they don't work they don't get paid right they're hourly people and so when we have when we have work for them they go out and do the work if we don't have work for them of course the payroll just it rises and falls with with what's going on out there just the office staff is kind of a set uh monthly amount for me and so yeah we we lowered the prices and of course we didn't go look at our employees and say hey we're going to chop you by 10 or 20 percent. we didn't do that of course right. and so it it all kind of came around in the end and uh we went i think we, we got above that 2 million mark within the second year. And so it, it definitely uh, showed um, that it was the right thing to do. And I, and I kind of take that with me everywhere, even, even in the pet business is, you know, we have a lot of competitors here in town. There's probably in Las Vegas, there's probably 18 to 20 stores that sell live pets. Uh, most of them only sell dogs. They don't sell everything like we do, but um, you got to be priced right. Because right. if you're looking for a Cocker Spaniel, 
they're all cute. And so <laughs> it doesn't really matter, you know, which store you get it from, but price does matter. So yeah, you also, you know, I, th I think probably what you what you did in the healthcare business was drop your price to mm -hmm. get business. Yep. But as you developed a better reputation, you're able to kind of come back up to, yep. to normal or and, even a little higher. You know, every business is different, but in that particular industry, if you do a great job, they don't leave you. They don't right. really care because if they can afford to pay twenty dollars an hour, twenty one isn't gonna really matter. Um, one of the biggest things in that industry is that we are consistent with who we send to your house. Uh, a lot of our clients have Alzheimer's or dementia. And so we can't send a different person in every day. We get a lot of clients from other com other competing businesses. And one of the major complaints we always hear is that they were sending a different person in every day. Yeah, they don't and know it confuses, yeah, yeah, it confuses yeah. mom and she doesn't know what's going on. So you got to you got to look at kind of what you're doing and, and, and how does it how does what's what's the best thing we can do? We can be reliable. We can be uh, consistent. In that we can charge a fair price, and, and if you do those three things, I think it, it's just an easy way to be successful in that industry. So. Yeah, definitely. So, I think you've uh, you've kind of covered almost every industry now. So, <laughs> you know, as far as like, if you kind of had some advice for somebody that says, uh, you know, they want to buy a business, stabilize it, buy another business, stabilize it, and kind of keep going, what's your piece of advice as far as how to manage all of that? So I think I'm coming to that crossroad I kind of mentioned earlier is where because of my background, it's it's like it's easy for me. And I'll give you some example. What, what does he mean? So like when I when I look at insurance for the business, I've negotiated insurance contracts with, with all the businesses I work for. Right. We you know, whether it's health insurance or, or whatever. I mean, there's there's all these little things you kind of have to keep in mind. It's not as easy as you just buy it and turn the light switch on. You come in. There's things that you have to you have to kind of understand and do. And so I've been able and fortunate because of the, the even though it's three different businesses in, you know, right now it's in two different states. I've been I've been fortunate that that it's my forte and it's easy for me. To, but I'm getting to the point where the next step for me is to have locations that are even in another state. And so now I'm at the point where I'm looking to say, listen, it's time to start building that back office in infrastructure because I don't want to keep trying to do it all myself. It'd be it'd be stupid for me to do that. I can I can be more. Uh, engaged in the businesses if I can get myself out from under that. So I'm now at the point once I'm on this next venture, once these things get started in the next three or four months, is that I'm going to start putting somebody in an accounting role. I'm going to put somebody maybe in an HR role, put somebody in a purchasing role. And so I think, you know, if, if you do one, hopefully, you know, you're, you're going to want to be that guy wearing all the hats. You're going to want to touch everything and understand everything. Hopefully that's what you want to do. Uh, if you don't, you probably shouldn't buy it. Um, but if you're, if you get to the point where you have these opportunities and you start growing them, you kind of have to ask yourself, what's best for my businesses and me and my family so that I can continue to grow things, uh, you know, if, if that's what I desire to do. Some people might get to the point where they say enough's enough. Uh, some of us are a little insane and we want to, <laughs> we just want to keep moving forward. And so I've probably, I'm 57 and I've got uh, probably another good 10 years of kind of wanted to push the envelope a little bit. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of what, what I'm doing. But as far as advice for people, I say is that, you know, if, if you start small and you, and you buy a small business, and that's what most people are going to do, you're not going to probably buy a business that has 20 locations because that's not going to be a small business. That's a whole different ballgame. Is that, you know, really understand all parts of it. I think uh, I even listened on one of your other podcasts. I listened to a gentleman saying, I think this is very important, is that go in. So, you know, and I, and I did this. Maybe Maybe I'm doing it less as I'm buying more businesses. But go in. And sit with each person. Sit with the person that cleans the kennels. Um, you know, go in in the morning, and we we open the kennel up at five five thirty in the morning. So I, you know, within the first week, I'm down there 
watching them. Uh, you know, we went to some training and stuff like that at franchise level, but um, understand what everybody does in your business. It's not, it shouldn't be that hard. I don't think most small businesses have that many employees or that many roles, but really understand what everybody does. And then as you continue to grow things, ask yourself at some point, where does it become a good idea to maybe start consolidating those things and mm -hmm. saying, you know, I don't need a purchasing person for each one of my retail stores. I need one purchasing person because now I have five, six, 10 of these. And so I think it's important as if you want to continue to grow and you want to continue to develop, uh, if that excites you at this point, I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited about the opportunities they have in front of me. And if that excites you, take a moment to think about what best serves your businesses and your family and you personally, if it's you running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to put out, <laughs> that's probably not what you should be doing. It should be growing the business and coming up with ways to, to, to identify new revenue sources or enhancements and, or just always doing better for your customers too. I think that's one of the best things you can be is the best at what you do. So, you know, we have a lot of competitors, I told you, but I think we offer a really great product. We offer a great experience when you come into our store. I just recently hired a customer experience manager because we're setting up a call center now to start taking calls remotely. And uh, his title is customer experience manager. And I told him, you know, your job is to make everybody happy. You know, it's, it's just, you just try to make everybody that comes and touches us. They touch us through the phone. They touch us through like emails or, or forms they fill out, or they touch us kind of through walking in the store. And so we have to ask ourselves constantly, are those touch points what you would want if you walked into that store? Right. right. Is, is it do you want to do you want to feel like it's a stinky old pet store or do you want to feel like it's a boutique pet store that the people want to see you there? It's clean. It smells great. It's bright and it's cheery. Um, those are things you kind of have to ask yourself every day. Yeah. Some great advice. I think this is uh, definitely packed full of good advice. Um, there's two questions I always ask at the end. So first one is, do you have a mentor or have you ever had a mentor? I would say probably the, the there's I would say there's two things that come to my mind. One is when I worked at Citibank before I ever became a CPA, there's a gentleman by the name of Ron Worth, and I and I found out not too long. Ron passed away a few years ago. Hmm. And honestly, his his personality and his style and everything was it was just touching to me is that he kind of put his arm around me as an intern that came in doing an internship with Citibank. And then they actually asked me to stay on and work part-time while I was in college. They they liked what I was doing. And uh, Ron was uh, fantastic because he was just a, a good guy all around. And, and it was just, it's nice to see different people and the way they interact with people. And I always modeled myself after that is that, you know, try to understand what people are going through too. try to try to help them. Don't hit them over the head with a club. That doesn't, that doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've got bad people that aren't working out for you, then, then, then find, let them find an opportunity somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but, but at, at the end of the day, I just really, I, I just felt so good about his style. I think I've always tried to, to mentor myself to that. And the last thing I would say is the business that I worked in for so many years, the casino business is that, you know, I learned, I learned a lot about kind of how our owner, uh, made good business choices and was shrewd about things. And, and, uh, you know, and I think his philosophy too is try to hire the best people and, and feel comfortable that they're doing the right things around you. And so I'd say Gary, Gary was, uh, it was always, it was always good to learn. And again, small business, you know, we, we had multiple locations, but, but it was still, it was a family. It felt like family. It mm -hmm. felt like, you know, we were working for part of the family. And uh, I think I've, I've kind of tried to do that. I will tell you, I've been very lucky or successful and I have very, very little turnover in my companies. I treat people with a lot of respect and I, I want their opinion. I want their, cause they know what's happening a hell of a lot more than I ever do. Right. Yeah. They're, they're on the ground every day. And so I kind of, I think I've learned is that, um, you know, 
definitely humble yourself when you walk in every day. You, you might own the place, but you know what? You are not the business at all. Every one of those people that, that straps on their boots and shows up at your, your place of business or out at a client's home, that's your business. It's not you. And so don't ever think it is because if you do, you've lost it at that point. Yeah. Great advice. So final question. Uh, you've been very successful. What drives you? What motivates you? What's wanting to push yourself to, to keep going and keep doing this? Okay. This is going to get a little deep here. Um, Good. So, uh, I was, I was born, of course, I said here in Las Vegas and I was raised by my grandparents. Uh, uh, my mom was not young, but she was a single mom and, uh, she had, uh, had, had met a few people in her life that didn't necessarily were honest with her. And so I grew up with my grandparents and we grew up, I would, I would say really poor. I grew up in a, in a, in a single wide mobile home, uh, till I was able to, you know, get out of high school and get on to college. Even in college, I guess I lived in one while I was going to school. Um, so what really drives me, I guess, if, if you were my analyst here sitting across from me, I'd say probably the fact that, that I, wanted to get out of that. I didn't, I didn't want that for my family. I didn't want, now my grandparents loved me to death and it was a fantastic, uh, you know, childhood and I've got no complaints whatsoever. Um, but at the end of the day, kind of what drives me, I think is, is that I watched how we kind of struggled mm -hmm. and, and I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let that happen. And so, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really been about being able to, to give my family what they need. Uh, I got a son that's going out to Florida State right now, working on his master's program, and I'm kind of helping him along the way. That was the preacher. Uh, he turned out to go back to school, and, he, and he's getting his master's degree in, in film directing and producing. And um, so I, I think what drives me every day is that I kind of I take care of the people that are close to me, and mm -hmm. I will feel like a failure if I can't do that. And so I wake up every day, kind of going, you know, what can I do better today? Where and it and it isn't really about the money. You know what it's really about, Jared? It's about the security of feeling like. I'm in control of my own destiny. I don't have to worry about somebody doing something to me that's out of my control because everything that happens to me, it's my choice. I'm sitting here today with you because it was my choice to be here. And I think that that's, it, it, maybe it's a little deep, but at the end of the day, it's kind of what I wake up to every day. So Yeah, I feel like a lot of people that uh, grew up in you know some kind of similar situation kind of have two choices, right? They can either complain about it and, yep. and say, oh, I have this awful life and kind of blame their upbringing on, you know, not pulling themselves out of it. And then you have other people like you that said, I don't want that. I want to make sure that my family doesn't experience that. And, you know, it seemed to be obviously it paid off and it worked out. So, yeah, I mean, we're all given different talents, you know, by, uh, if you believe in God or mm -hmm. whatever, we're all given, you know, I, I, I was good with math and numbers and, and I'm comfortable in that, in that zone. Uh, you know, there, there are people who have weird talents that make amazing lives for themselves, you know, throwing a football around is, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, there's, there's just so many different things in this life, in this world that we can do. And, and, you know, I, I might be really good at, at finance and accounting, but I can't sing worth a damn. And, you know, <laughs> so it, it really, I think everybody should, should kind of ask themselves is like, you know, what, what talent was I given? And I'll be honest with you. I think we're all given talents. I think that we all have the ability to use them. Um, sometimes society maybe doesn't really push us in the right direction. And mm -hmm. we have to ask ourselves, it's like, you know, what, what can I be doing that's better for me, my family, maybe even for just society? You know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of great work in like nonprofits and things like that. And uh, maybe, maybe when I, when I step back from all this someday, maybe I will, maybe I'll go spend some time doing some, some things that'll make me feel really good about that last 20 years of my life where, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to help people because, and maybe, maybe we also need to just, you know, put ourselves out there to give guidance to young people that 
could use some direction mm -hmm. and, and some focus. And so, you know, maybe that's something um, uh, we can work on too. So cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So you mentioned that everything you do is your choice. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad you chose to <laughs> thank you, thank come you. on here and talk to me. There's a lot of great information and I'm really excited to keep working with you and excited to see, you know, what, what happens in the near future, the next 10 years. I think you're going to take over a couple other industries and hopefully be able to you know, achieve that dream of taking care of everybody else after that. Appreciate the good words. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to www.jaredwjohnson.com.